Uh, hello and welcome to the Legal 500 podcast. I'm David Kerner and um, today we're um, kind of recording this just a, a week after uh, Pride Month and um, I'm talking to, to Andy Lewis who's the um, from the pensions team at, at Travers Smith and um, has uh, kind of recently um, kind of become a founding member of the uh, pension sector um, LGBTQ uh, network Open um, which he co-founded with um, kind of other pensions uh, professionals in, in 2020. So welcome, um, Andy, to the Legal 500 podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Excellent. Um, so, so I guess um, before, before we kind of begin, it might be kind of um, worth hearing about your own um, kind of journey in the, in the legal sector, in the pension sector, and, and kind of in terms of your um, kind of experience as um, an LGBT professional kind of how, how did your um, kind of career develop? Yes well um, I was reflecting actually before we uh, before we came online that um, I've been a pensions lawyer for 12 years now which actually I find pretty frightening I sort of don't know where the time's gone. <laughs> um, I think like many people um, when I started out as a trainee uh, in the city, I didn't even know you could specialise in pensions law, um, but I remember just being really intrigued by it as a subject area, and one thing led to another, and, and here I am. I think it's a really fascinating area because um, of the the variety of work you get involved in. You know, one one minute you can be doing a an enormous transaction that's worth several hundred million or even billions of pounds, um, and affects an awful lot of people and then the next minute you can be advising on a an individual decision that a pension fund makes that could affect a particular pensioner really quite substantially so you know on that on that very human level as well um so I, i've enjoyed all of that and um it's great to be part of the, the team at travis smith as well we're a, a fairly diverse bunch of individuals but um we we do all love um or love working with pension fund clients and, uh, and corporates in that space so yeah. um, I mean in terms of my career journey as an LGBT person I think well two observations really one is that um, I wasn't out when I started my career um, and cer certainly when I was a trainee right. uh, and the thing that probably made the most difference to me was seeing visible role models and um, particularly very vocal allies in and around the workplace uh, at an early stage of my career. Um, and there definitely were some and absolutely kudos to them for, for being amazing when I was um, learning and developing. And I really hope I live up to the great example they set um, now when I, I lead my teams. Um, but it's, it's kind of astonishing actually. I, I, I think there's there are statistics out there and depending on who you look at, uh, it, it's somewhere between 40 and 60% of LGBTQ grads go back into the closet when they start their careers, uh, which I, I mean I find really astonishing yeah. in 2022. And, and why that is astonishing, and and why why might that be? Do you think? Well, I mean, in the pension sector, it's really interesting because my experience is that most people who work in pensions, and whether that's law or other areas, they're they're actually pretty unstuffy, straightforward, friendly, approachable people, and I'm sure that's true of many other areas as well but I do wonder if if we in the legal sector or at least in certain parts of it have an undeserved reputation for 
that that kind of alpha male heteronormative slightly dated approach to to advising on some of these these big matters and um maybe that's maybe that puts people off so one of the things that i try to do is is be really active with our graduate recruitment activities and like i say just being visible on those and and demonstrating our firm's commitments to to diversity and inclusion yes um and and i think kind of um uh, recruitment especially is is really a really kind of important time to um kind of instill um kind of both those kinds of um uh to, to instill kind of the firm's values and, and make sure that that kind of lgbt um people know that they can be um kind of included in into um kind of the organization they're joining i think that's a really important um time to do it actually um and and and, and so i guess kind of in 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 2020, I think you and a, and a few others um, decided to um, start a, a an LGBTQ network. Now, now maybe you could tell me a bit about the the background to that and and why why you decided to um, uh, found it. Open. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, the network you're talking about is um, open, and yeah. as you said in your introduction, we are a um, a network for. LGBTQ plus professionals working in the pensions industry and, of course, also allies. So not just lawyers, but um, all the other diverse and very clever people who work in pensions like actuaries and investment consultants and communications professionals and administrators, governance, you know, the list The list goes on. If you work in pensions, you're welcome to join. Um, I can't really take credit for having had the original idea. Um, I, I should give a shout out here to um, Daniel Gering, who is uh, one of my partners in the pensions practice, uh, Travis Smith, and also Zoe Birdo, who is a, a senior consultant, uh, an actuary, and the DEI manager at Lane Clark and Peacock. And I think it was them together who who sat down and had the kind of flash of genius. And what they did was was get me and a handful of other enthusiastic people in a room over breakfast one morning and we sort of thrashed it out and we thought actually that you know there is something worth pursuing here the reason we set it up i think was was twofold um first of all of course there are lots and lots of lgbt networks out there for for different professionals including lawyers i mean there's there's the law society's lgbt lawyers division there's into law and there are similar networks for for other professions as well um interbank interinvest those kinds of initiatives um and and they are great for networking within a profession which is really valuable um in so many ways but as a professional working in the pension space what we found increasingly is that um the the way you deliver your best work for clients and the way you get the most rewarding experience as a professional and you learn the most is by working outside your professional silo and and really collaborating with other specialists in the area. Um, It benefits the client because they get much more effective, much more joined up advice, but it benefits us as well in delivering a sort of richer and, and deeper career experience for our people. And so we thought by taking that kind of horizontal approach to to a network and structuring it across an industry, we might be able to to break down some of those professional silos that can sometimes exist. And I think the second reason for doing it was um, just that the the LGBTQ experience in particular 
um, can be quite different, both in terms of, of career development and also in the pension space. So we, we, we really felt there was a useful perspective that, that we could bring to, to those issues by working together on it. So really, that's where it came from. Yeah, and 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 you meant you mentioned that um, kind of there there are specificities um, to kind of the LGBTQ experience in the pension space. What what would they be, uh, for instance? Well, the the most obvious example is that that pension funds are there to provide kind of long term savings and um, and retirement benefits. And actually, there are some really important and live legal questions there about how LGBTQ people are treated under pension schemes um, and do they get equal benefits with heterosexual people or, or people of a different gender and that kind of thing. Uh, and some of those questions have been litigated over the years and some of them haven't. And so because pension schemes have got populations of, of many thousands of members, uh, there can be real value in bringing that kind of perspective to the table, particularly if, if, if a pension fund client is dealing with a live issue. Um, and then secondly, the, as, I, as I sort of alluded to a minute ago, there's, there's the career track, the career progression um, angle to it as well, and helping people um, join and then stay and feel included in an industry which as I say is, is not an obvious choice for, for many people but is really really rewarding when you do get into it yeah excellent and and um, I guess kind of um, uh, now maybe it's a good time to um, kind of really really boost open and, and what what's what's the sort of things that um, you, you're, you're putting on and, and um, kind of how how are you um, kind of growing the network as well well, I'm really glad you asked me that question. Thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah, we um, uh, probably just a little bit of history here. Actually, first, we um, we started after we'd had this initial breakfast with a soft launch event right at the back end of, of 2019, which we were very <laughs> proud to organise and host um, at, at Travis Smith. And it was in person, and it was great. We had a you know a capacity audience of some really important, influential people from across the pensions industry. The pensions regulator, our industry regulator, was there, um, gave an introduction because diversity and inclusion is a big priority for them at the moment. And we had a panel that explored some of the benefits of diversity and inclusion in the pension space and experiences as LGBTQ pensions professionals. And we were really sort of trying to test with our audience whether we were right that there was demand for this network. Um, and there was, so that was great. And we gave our audience a vote on what the name of the network should be, and they voted for open. And we had uh, drinks and canapes, and it was all wonderful. Um, and then, of course, COVID arrived <laughs> very soon afterwards in the new year. And, uh, well, you can't make any bones about it. It, it did disrupt our plans yes. for, for launching the network like it did for so many people in so many different and, and you know, really sometimes quite very sad ways. So um, we had to move online. And so we, we set up a, a website and a mailing list and we hosted a variety of online events right. um, over the course of the pandemic and, and lockdowns. And hosting events is really the, the sort of core of, of what we do um, as a network. Sometimes they are focused on pensions issues. Sometimes the event will focus on um, 
LGBTQ specific issues. So, for example, the, the one we did most recently for Pride Month was a discussion about LGBTQ families um, generally. So we and that, and that looked at um, not just the, the different ways that LGBTQ people can become parents, but also the experience of being LGBTQ in a family or raising queer children. So it's quite a wide ranging discussion. But I was in the audience for that. And um, it, it was surprising how legal that discussion became. We had a we had a really good, uh, a good discussion around um, the the very strange way that um, surrogacy works. If you, uh, if, if you have a baby via a surrogate overseas and how you were then recognised as, as the legal parent um as a gay person when when you come back to the uk it's it's really is rather complicated but right. so yeah some progress there i guess to, to to look for and to talk about in the future hopefully but also it was a really optimistic event um and then otherwise like i say uh we did a really great event back in november 2020 which looked at career issues yes. um a whole variety of topics like growing an lgbt network within an organization intersectionality that's that's very important so what's it like to be an lgbt person at the the intersection of certain diversity characteristics so for example to be lgbt and of faith or lgbt and female or lgbt and from an ethnic minority background um and we had all these breakout discussions and so i think despite the limitations of zoom and the 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 zoom fatigue that i think did set in we've mm. we've managed to do quite a lot and we're we're optimistic about doing even more in the future yeah that's that's great and and um kind of in in, in terms of the the future i mean what what have you got um uh, kind of planned coming up i think our, our immediate next priority is going to be just some good old-fashioned plain simple straightforward networking for people yes. um the, f- the feedback we've got i think probably there's a lot of pent-up demand for that after two years of after two years of zoom but actually people seem to really enjoy that aspect of the um uh, of the network and what it's for but we're also very keen to um to engage with some of these more substantive topics so ideas like what can employers in the legal sector and beyond do to make their workplaces more inclusive of mm. LGBT people and of LGBT families, for example? So we 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 like to take a flexible approach, and if anyone has ideas or topics they would like to see covered, then definitely hop on our website, openpensions.network. Give us a shout join might even want to join the organizing committee and we're we're really open to those ideas yeah that's great thank you um and i guess i i guess kind of one one last um uh question is that um obviously kind of what you're doing is quite innovative um in terms of taking a, a sector a specific approach do you have any advice for um, maybe other lawyers listening who want to um, uh, kind of start similar networks in their area. Um, kind of any any kind of um, uh, barriers that you found, or any any kind of uh, uh, kind of little, little bits of things that you kind of found along the way. Mm. I think that the first thing to do is is sort of know the lie of the land in your area. Like you say, there there aren't many of these particular networks out there, but there are some other ones like uh, freehold in in the real estate sector is a good example. Um, but if test your ideas with others, um, with contacts within and outside the law informally, 
um, and test it then on a on a wider group, a bit like we did with our with our soft launch. Um, but don't don't feel you need to be too cautious about it. If you if you've got an, if you've got a good idea, then don't um, don't sit on it. Go and talk to people about it and and test it out. I think the other thing I would say, and this is something that we're very keen on doing on open is ensuring that because we're a cross industry network we we have deliberately tried not to become overly associated with any specific profession or firm or individual we we really want to give as wider representation as we can to the different areas of the profession and to give different people as many opportunities as we can to get involved. So typically we will share out the, the work of organising the committee meetings, setting up the website, running events, hosting events. So um, it, it, it can create opportunities. And one of the really nice things I've seen is that we have um, we have a range of different professionals and different senioritys on our organising committee. And this has become a real opportunity for people early in their careers to start learning and developing BD skills and actually start making an influence within and outside their own organisations on LGBTQ plus inclusion as well. And that's been brilliant to see. Yeah, yeah. And I guess kind of people going back to their own organisations and, and, and um, uh, applying their knowledge is also one of the benefits of, of that kind of network. And, and um, I guess you're, um, you're, you're kind of doing a, a wider job than, than just kind of networking. I think there's a lot more that... Uh, uh, um, a lot more benefits uh, than than that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, nobody's saying this has to be your only network, and almost certainly it won't be over the course of your career. But the more, the more, and the better networks you have, the more effective mm. you can be as a professional, in my view. So, yeah, um, it's it's really nice to be able to to be doing this. Excellent. Um, so stepping back from um, open for a second, um, so what, why is um, kind of DNI kind of an important thing um, kind of to focus on? That is a great question. Um, I guess this is going to sound trite, but I think the answer is because it makes us do our jobs better. Um, I think lawyers and other professionals working in pensions or in, in other sectors, but also our clients are, are fundamentally in the business of risk management, weighing things up and making judgment calls. And those judgment calls are really very clearly defined. Um, you, you can quite often find yourself working in a legal or a commercial gray area. And so what I think you want to do in that space is, is make the best decision you can. And there is a huge amount of learning out there now from, from academics, from management consultants, I, you know, I could go on at length about this, that shows that the more diverse a group of people you have contributing to a decision, the more well thought through and robust that decision is likely to be because you're inviting people with different perspectives and different backgrounds to to feed into the conversation and so fundamentally to me that is the core benefit of diversity and inclusion um, it aligns really well with the legal duties of many pension fund clients that i work with where 
fundamentally their job is to take properly considered decisions. But of course, it, it applies on the sort of organizational, commercial, business level as well. What I think that means is that if you're doing diversity and inclusion right, it won't necessarily always feel comfortable and nor will it always feel like you've completed the progress. You know, you don't achieve diversity and inclusion and then never, never have to think about it again. It's about making a continual effort with it and inviting what you might call creative conflict which can sometimes go against human nature. You know, we, we like consensus. We like, we like, yeah, agreement amongst groups. And DNI and is a is a challenge to that. But it's about doing that in a respectful and creative way. Um, and I think for that reason, it, it brings a, a massive amount of benefit on so many levels. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I, I mean. It's uh, it, it's possible to see kind of where where kind of some some organisations go wrong. I mean, do do you have any examples of of of, of when kind of an organisation hasn't really kind of uh, taken kind of DNI to to heart? Um, I would say less so recently. Um, in in previous years, I've I've definitely seen examples and had conversations with clients and others who um, would say oh well I, I mean it sounds really nice but we're we're just naturally nice people anyway so we don't need to worry about this right and as I say it's unfortunately it's not quite that simple um, you that places a lot of onus on the LGBTQ person or person of color or the person from a particular religious background to be the one stepping up and saying actually, I don't agree, or I've got some thoughts on this. And that requires a lot of proactive effort from that person. True diversity and inclusion means actively including those people and, and active allyship and making sure they're in the room in the first place, and then making sure they, they're given space to contribute. So it, it, I think some people mistake diversity and inclusion for letting people in through the door and then being quite passive about it. And that's where I have seen organisations trip up. Um, I mean, going back even further than that, I, I've had myself and also I know colleagues used to have conversations with some people who say, oh, we don't have gay people in our scheme. Um, this was many years ago now. And, you know, I'd be sitting there, I'd be sitting there saying, oh, well, you've, you've got 10,000 plus members in your pension fund. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you do. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you legally need to think about this as well. Um, uh, I, I, I think that's, that's very rare now. I wouldn't be expecting to have that sort of conversation these days, but um, there's definitely still work to be done. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Brilliant. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. And um, it was it was great to speak to you today. And um, thank you for um, introducing Open, um, which um, I guess anyone can can um, uh, check out your, your website and, and uh, get involved. Um, and yeah, it was a pleasure to speak to you today. Absolutely. Great talking. Thank you. Thank you.